Welcome to the Boosting Business Breakthroughs podcast, where coaches gain the confidence, motivation, and expertise to make their next business breakthrough. I am your host, Lori Young, certified master marketer, business growth coach, and all-around truth teller. Breakthroughs can come with flashes of absolute clarity, sudden shifts in mindset, learning new skills, changes in habits, or anything else that changes the course of your coaching business. So if you're ready to be inspired and break through to your next level of growth, let's go. Welcome to episode six of the Boosting Business Breakthroughs podcast for coaches. You are in for a real treat today. I have like one of my friends on here that we are in the online space. We've been doing uh, this online business thing for several years, met her many, many years ago in a group coaching program, and she is absolutely one of my favorites in the online space. So what we're going to be talking about today, we are going to dive into the comparison trap that is going on in the online space and how that affects our ability to stay focused and make the right decisions for our business. We're going to get into a concept that I just first learned about from uh, Sarah's uh, podcast on the difference between business growth and business scaling. And this is really, this is a very interesting concept. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Then we will get into kind of like, how do we decide like what is the best business model for ourselves? And then Sarah is going to get into her entrepreneurial growth hierarchy. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh, show today. And so I just want to get started and just formally introduce uh, Sarah to you. Sarah Khan is Chief Ease Officer and How Whisperer to high-achieving women who left the traditional workplace to take up space as entrepreneurs. Honing her 20-plus years of experience in the areas of operations, growth strategy, and leadership development, she now helps women liberate themselves from the hustle-focused status quo of entrepreneurship to find the simplest path from where they are now to where they want to be. The result? A sustainable business that beats the stats. No fluff, no BS, just results. Yes. So Sarah, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, One of the favorite things that I love about Sarah is just her no BS attitude. Like she (laughs) speaks her truth um, and I love it. It's refreshing. It is not uh, common in the online space and I I just love it. It, I don't think I miss a single social post that Sarah puts out. And that is the honest to God truth. Thank you so much. That is like the nicest intro I have ever had. Aw. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's honest to God truth. (laughs) Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your story. I know you were in corporate and you are now an entrepreneur. So tell us. I'm a corporate escapee. Yeah. Yes. I was in corporate for 20 years, um, 20 plus years, it, and I was, but I was also in higher education for 13 years, and they both kind of overlapped a little bit. I was the consummate employee. I mm-hmm. towed that party line like it was my job because it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. 
it was something that I'd had family members um, recommend over the years because of my knowledge with business. I was like, no, why would I want to do that? Like, I'm happy collecting a paycheck coming. And I think that's that's a mentality that a lot of you know corporate people have. Mm-hmm. Um, long, long, long story short, pandemic really changed things. Um, I had to that point probably ten years. 10 years or so prior to that point, experienced a lot of gaslighting, a lot of abuse, a lot of Mm. bullying, a lot of being overlooked for promotion. Um, There was a lot that went on and it was primarily at one uh, institution, I guess, like one Mm -hmm. place versus like a number of different places. Um, But it got harder and harder to ignore. And when, when the pandemic hit and everybody was on lockdown, it just became really, really apparent. So like I had been laid off while I was on mat leave um they did hire me back in another capacity later on but i'd lost my seniority i had been groomed for leadership only to have that taken away from me um the pandemic i was you know gaslit by my boss so many times saying that if the kids are in the room with you you're not really working and i'd had my pay docked and it was just it was ridiculous Mm. um and then i ended up basically so stressed out after an accident at home where i'd injured my eye that my doctor was like, you need to go on stress leave. And this is something like, I'm talking 20 years of watching other colleagues go on stress leave and me constantly saying, nope, nope, that's never, that's just, it's a cop out, blah, blah. Like I, I fully admit that I was like, no. Right. And then I experienced it. And when I realized and acknowledged the anxiety I was feeling around having to go back, um, my doctor was like, I don't think you're ready to go back. Mm-hmm. And my husband was, you know, to his credit, he was like, look, it's not worth it. Like we'll mm-hmm. figure it out. And I had been consulting on the side, just, you know, sort of on my own. And that was kind of, you know, 2020 was when we really took the leap and I quit my full-time job. And it was the first time in my life since I was like 16 years old right. that I, I was jobless. Um, and the rest is history. It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's still right. terrifying. I've been doing it for five years. I'm still terrified on a regular basis. So, right. Right. Yeah. So I always start off the show because this uh, show is all about boosting business breakthroughs. And I think everyone in this space has experienced some type of breakthrough in their business. And I like to use these stories to just inspire people and to just show people like breakthroughs can be so many different things. They can be small, they can be big. Tell me about a business breakthrough that you've had that actually like just changed the course of your business. Oh my gosh. Uh, This is going to sound very cliche. um, But for me, it was literally realizing that I could be myself and that was actually going to make me more money Mm. and make me more palatable. Um, As a woman, as a woman of color, a minority, like there, there's been a very big part of my life where I have masked, I have, you know, um, changed how I showed up in different spaces to be Mm -hmm. more palatable, to be more, you know, to fit in. Right. And for the first few years of my business, couldn't understand why I wasn't getting the traction that I was Mm. really hoping to get. Mm -hmm. And I just honestly, pandemic, everything, I just got tired. Right. And I realized, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to speak from the heart because I was feeling it too, from a lot of my peers that, you know, Mm -hmm it was a really hard time for everybody. And so there is this calling in me to just speak from the heart. And I did, and I was shocked at Mm. how much it resonated with people. 
And so I've spent the last few years really digging deep and finding like, okay, what is your actual, like, what do you really believe in? What do you really want to say? And it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And it's just been such an enormous weight off my shoulders, but also really validating because I think a lot of us, we show up in this space thinking that we have to show up in a certain way. Right. And I'm living proof that that's not true. If you really want things to take off and you want to be known as a, a thought leader in your space and be seen as, you know, different from the people who are doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's really important to figure out who the fuck you are. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That is so, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I remember that shift, you know, from you, but I definitely know and have experienced what it's like to read your content and to, just to be in the space of you being authentic and real and honest. And like I said before, it's very refreshing and there's not a lot of that going on, which I think leads us into this kind of what we were going to talk about this whole comparison trap that's Mm -hmm. going on in the online space. And I feel like there are so many experts and so many gurus out there telling you how you should do things and how you should run your business and how you should show up in your content and all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And that creates just, it, it just creates, I think a disconnect for us. So talk to me a little bit about this whole comparison trap and what you're seeing in this space. I think there's a lot of, I mean, comparisonitis is something (laughs) that happens in in every space. I think it's more pervasive in the online space because everybody's living every moment of their lives and their business online out in, out in public, you know, and we do tend to forget, first of all, you're watching the sizzle reel, the highlight reel. You're not really seeing what's going on behind the scenes. And Mm -hmm. this kind of goes to what I was saying about, you know, learning who you are and speaking your truth. There's also a lot of people, now this sounds like I'm throwing shade, I'm not. There's a lot of people who are curating their authenticity as well. So they're showing up online and they're, you know, they're crying in their reels and they're talking about their struggles, but it's also very highly curated. And so Mm -hmm. even the authenticity feels like I need to, I need to compete with your authenticity. Right. And so there's, there's, it's so hard to know who is being real and who isn't. Yes. And it's hard to know, like, am I in the way that I'm showing up? Is that really and truly enough? And I think mm. that's that's the piece. It's not necessarily, you know, who you are. Or what It's like, am I enough? Am I giving enough? And this is when you see some people who are, you know, oversharing because they're not quite sure where that line is or they're trying to compare themselves to someone else's story. And it's so hard to I mean, and this is why I always say, like, please do when you're doing, you know, your monthly or quarterly audit, if you're not, you should start doing it. But when you're doing the audit of like your social media and, and, you know, your stats and your metrics, also unfollow people, like make it an, like an, um, a regular occurrence in your business, set it as a task in your project management, you know, go and unfollow people that are causing you anxiety, stress, when you see their content, you feel some kind of way that makes you feel uncomfortable or uneasy. You don't have to follow everybody. You know, right. you can mute them if you don't want to unfollow them, if there's like some kind of a relationship there. But it's it's really up to you 
to be self-aware enough mm -hmm. to know when you are trying to compete with someone versus showing up in a way that feels good for you. Because when you're able to show up and it feels easy, you don't have to overthink it. You're not typing out posts and then letting them sit for 30 minutes going, I don't know, should I hit, should I hit post or should I delete it? Mm -hmm. When you're not doing those things, then you're showing up as you. But if right. you're doing those things, you are looking at your business, your content, your marketing through the lens of somebody else's approval. And that's where right. we have a problem. Right. I think for me, <clears throat> I'll be just completely honest. Like, I feel like just me going on social media and it might be the people that I follow because I tend to follow people that are so-called experts in a particular area so that I can learn from them. Right. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is I compare myself to them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why do they have like, you know, 10,000 uh, followers or why do they have a hundred thousand followers? Like, holy cow, like art is. And then I look at my own content. I'm thinking, is my content like so crappy mm -hmm. that I can't get a hundred thousand followers. So it's like, I feel like sometimes I've gotten to the point lately where it's like, I literally log on to social media for seconds, like a minute on this platform, a minute on that platform, and then I'm off. Yeah. But the problem with that is, of course, I'm not engaging probably as much as I should. So there's like just this fine line between getting caught up in everything that's online. Yeah. And, and engaging, it's just like, uh, can you win? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I think that's, hmm. okay. There's two things here. I think the first is I still on a daily basis will see people and go, why don't I have that level of success yet? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's a very human thing. So if you are still comparing yourself or find yourself stuck in that, in that quote unquote game, please give yourself grace because mm -hmm. we all, I think it's a human, it's a human foible that we just right. compare ourselves to people around us. So I don't think you're, you're ever going to get to a point where you're not comparing yourself, but I think what you can sort of train yourself to do is, and this is, I think where some of my content kind of comes from is reminding yourself that, okay, yeah, they've got a hundred thousand followers, but they've also been doing it for 10 years. Right. I've only been doing it for X number of years or right. yeah, but you know what? They're connected to so-and-so or mm -hmm. they spoke at that summit or they have, they, they bought their list. Like, let's be honest, that happens too. people buy followers, you know? So I think it's important to remind ourselves that they're, they might be on chapter 16 and we're still on chapter six. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that gets really hard to remind yourself of, because again, we compare ourselves. Like I've known this person since they started. No, you've known them since you started. Right. I was just listening to a podcast, uh, Julie, I don't know if you know her, Julie Chanel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she runs a podcast called The Million Dollar Grit. Yeah. And, you know, if I had not listened to her podcast, I would be in this, you know, business envy space. Like, oh my God, you're running a multi-million dollar company. Not that I want to run a multi-million dollar, but I would like a little bit more growth. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, you look at that and you think, oh my gosh, she's running a multi-million dollar company. How does she do that? Well, I went back and I listened to her story and she had a couple of episodes on the million dollar grit. 
I was like, holy shit. Like what she went through to mm -hmm. get to that, even that first million, I'm like, oh my God, you are so scrappy. Like she was doing like so many different things. And, and I listened to it and I thought, I do not want that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do not that's, want that. That's the other thing we don't often think about. It's like, yeah, that person might have a seven figure, eight figure, even a six figure business. But do you know what it takes to get to that point? And right. then to sustain it. Right. Like how much you actually have to work. Like I made the decision a few years ago that I don't want a seven figure business. I barely want a six figure business because I right. know what it takes. Right. And I've, I've prioritized for myself. Like I want, after we're done our interview, I'm going to go upstairs and hang out with my kids. Cause there's yeah. only two weeks left of summer break, mm -hmm. you know? And, and some people may say, well, no, you've got X, Y, Z to do. You've got to check off all those tasks on your daily CEO list. And like, yeah, sure. And right. we're in this to be able to live the kind of lives that we want to live. Right. Right. And Julie's got a different business model than you or mm -hmm. I. She's like, there's so much that goes into everybody's story that we don't see. Right. And I think we need to, and this is why, like, we need to start being more discerning about what are we believing and what are we internalizing and what are we making mean more than it actually means. Right. 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 And then, I mean, and this is, again, this is going to sound like I'm throwing shade. I'm not, but also you can't be mad about the results you didn't get if you didn't put in the work to get those results. Right. Yeah. And it takes work. It definitely takes it work. So this is a great segue into what is the difference? So we're talking about business growth here. What yeah. is the difference between business growth and business scaling? You did a great podcast episode on this, and I think this is a really fascinating topic. So in the simplest terms, growth is when you are adding more resources and revenue at the same time-ish. Mm -hmm. So you've got more clients, you're making more money, so maybe you hire more team members to help support those clients. So it's, it's growing like incrementally in that way. Scaling is a little bit different. Scaling is doing more with less. So you mm -hmm. are bringing on more revenue mm -hmm. through a variety of means, whatever, whatever they are, but you're not spending an equal amount of ex like expenditure wise. So again, you're able to do more with less, whereas mm -hmm. growth is like you're growing in all areas. Scaling is you're able to do more, but not have the same, uh, the same level of output in terms of, of money. Right. So maybe you are like fine tuning and putting in maybe more automations systems that enable you to, uh, to scale without the additional team members. Right. Yeah. Is that an yeah. example? Yes. Yeah. That is a good example. Scaling is, you know, being able to, I think that's probably the, the, the easiest thing to do is like, another thing I, I guess would be system? passive, like maybe passive income. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe, uh, starting a course or something. Mm -hmm. uh, again, there's a lot of resources and time and money that goes into launching a course. But once yeah. you get it going, it can create passive income for you. So it'll bring on additional income, but may yeah. not take as much 
resources long-term. And I think that's probably the most popular example of scaling is, mm -hmm. you know, a course or a program because you are now, instead of working one-to-one, -one, yes. you're working one-to-many. And so that's why people automatically equate that with scaling. The thing is not everybody wants to scale and you can grow your business without scaling. Like mm -hmm. the two things are not, you know, that they're not tied together in that respect. Um, but again, like you said, having a group program or having a, you know, a passive income product, it's a lot more work. And right. so particularly in the, in the early stages, you are going to have to, you know, put more of an investment towards that. And then, right. you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, I'm going to start a program and scale my business. So, right. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Like one of my clients, um, I had just introduced her to a podcast that I heard and just, and I thought of her business and it was all about the membership model. And I felt yeah. like this could, could be potentially a good business model for, for you. Right. Well, she listened to it and she is like head over heels, like, Oh my God, Oh my God. I so want to do a membership. This is perfect for me. Blah, 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 blah. And mm -hmm. I'm like, Whoa, let's like, <laughs> Okay. Yes. Long-term, this could be a good business model for you. However, I want to tell you it's a beast, yeah. right? It's not like, it's not just, oh, let me just start a membership and I'm going to have all these people flooding in into my membership and I'm going to get all this money. It does not work that way. There yeah. is a lot of effort and a lot of building that goes into having a membership model. And so you or need even a to program. be aware of that. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I, I've often said, if you can't sell your offer one-to-one, -one, you will not sell it as a group program. Right. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. 100%. So you had said something about like, you know, not everybody wants to scale their business. Uh, not everybody wants to grow their business. Um, you and I have two totally different business models. And I thought it would be fun to just kind of talk about like the pros and cons of each of these business models. So Sarah is what she calls herself a solopreneur. Yeah. I run an agency, right? So I started off as a solopreneur and I decided to go the agency route because I'm a digital marketing agency. And the services that I provide don't allow me to be a solopreneur because mm -hmm. I can't be an expert in all things digital marketing. Yeah. Right. I can be a strategist and I can be a coach around marketing. I can, you know, I'm really super good at managing a team and managing clients, which is kind of why I went that route, mm -hmm. but it's not for everybody. So let's talk about just kind of the, I guess, pros and cons of being a solopreneur okay. and kind of flying solo for the most part or running like a model that I have, which is a full-fledged team. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's pros and cons, obviously, to both. I, the, the most immediate one that comes to mind for a solopreneur is I get to take home all of my money. Yeah. Right? Yes. But mm -hmm. on the flip side of that, um, there is truth to the, to the statement that my, my earning potential is somewhat capped, mm -hmm. you know, not a hundred percent capped. People are like, oh, you can only work 70 hours in a day. Yeah. But not if you have, 
you know, like you said, passive income products, programs, things like that. But also, even if you have a team, you are still capped in some respect because your team has a limited amount of hours. They're not dedicated to full time. So, you know, there's, there's that, I think from a, from a solo printer perspective though, that's like the biggest woohoo is that whatever I make, I, I, I get to take home for for the most part. That's not saying I don't have overheads or investments or that I've not paid for, you know, project, uh, one-off projects and brought contractors in. Like all of that is true and I don't have a team to pay. So, right. And kind of to speak to that, you know, for me, you know, obviously because I have a team, you know, I think to me that some of the advantages are one, I, I can offer different types of services based on my team's expertise. And so I don't have to be the expert in all the things so, you know, God forbid I had to design websites, write copy, um, post social media, like, you know, set up newsletters, like yeah. I could probably do it, but it is definitely not my zone of genius. It's like, it's just not. And yeah. so having those team members helps me to kind of expand my offering and helps me be stay in my zone of genius while they're in their zone of genius. And I think I can take on more business because I have a team, right? Mm-hmm. The downside is there's a lot that goes into managing a team. Yeah, I have yeah. five, I have five people on my team. And so mm-hmm. I'm like constantly like being hit with, you know, not only all of the client communications, but team communications. Like I, I heard something and, and to me, this is just totally describes what I do. And it's called the silent workload. Mm-hmm. I spend my entire day managing. And at yeah. the end of the day, I'm like, hmm, what did I get done today? Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I managed everything. I managed the projects. I managed the team. I managed the clients. Like, that's what I did today. But it yeah. feels like I did nothing. Because you're, I mean, technically you're out of the day to day, right? Because you have a team. Whereas when you're a solo printer, you're still in the day to day. Right. Right. And so you're, you're very like hyper aware of what you do and what you don't do. Um, And I think that you're absolutely right. Like you have the ability and the capacity to offer so much more. Whereas someone can come to me and say, I need you to, and like, I can't, I don't do that. That's not my area of expertise. I'm going to refer you to someone else. So there is a lot of, I think a lot more vetting that happens during discovery calls and a lot more having to say no. Um, But there's also the, I guess the luxury of being able to, to have, you know, more streamlined process, like, well, I guess simpler process is not streamlined, but you know, and I, yeah, I think the pro and con it's, it's both is I'm accountable to myself in terms of what I do every day. Right. I don't have someone checking in on me. I don't have to, I don't have a team that I'm accountable to. Mm-hmm. And also I don't have anyone checking in on me and right. I don't have a team. So I'm like, I really need to be, focused on a consistent enough basis that I'm like moving my business forward because there's nobody relying on me, but me. So it's a good thing. And it's kind of also a really challenging thing, which is another good thing about being a solopreneur is decision-making is like so much Mm -hmm. faster. Well, yes and no. Yeah. (laughs) Depends on your personality. True. I'm a fast decision maker. So like, (laughs) but yes, if you, right. If you don't, if you're, 
if you're a relatively fast decision maker and yeah. you have clarity and you know what you want, it's pretty easy to push things through. Like, you know, when I first started my podcast, for instance, mm -hmm. and I, I literally, because I have a team that's helping me process this, I had to make sure that I had the entire process, yeah. like thought through, documented. I have to run it by, you know, my VA who's helping me, you know, helping me with it. I have to wait on her to, to get things, you know, done. So it, it's mm -hmm. slower, I think. Yeah. 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 Because you have to have everyone on board. Right. right. Whereas I don't have to make decisions in committee. And also I need to, you know, it's, it's hard. I think it's a little bit easier to overthink if you're an overthinker when you are the only person who has to make the decision. That's you true. Know? That's true. Yeah. Whereas if you have a team, they can nip it in the bud and they can tell you like, yes, this is going to work or no, it's not going to work. Right. And you have that immediate feedback. Whereas I have to reach out to biz besties who may not understand the, you know, the ins insides of my business or I, I have to hire a coach who it might take, you know, three months for them to really get to know me. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I can also pivot on a dime if I want right. to, because I don't right. have to worry about my team. So. Right. True. So I there's, think there's pros and cons and, you know, yeah. you have to decide for yourself, what is the best business model for you? And there Absolutely. is no right or wrong answer. Oh God, no. And yeah. it, it really depends on, you know, what, you think you're good at. If you're not a good people manager, please do not hire a team, right? If right. you don't like dealing with people. And I've had, I've had clients like that who they want to hire a team, but they also never want to speak to them because they don't like people. I'm like, okay, you're like the teacher who doesn't like children. Like, what is that? All about, <laughs> right. Right? right. Um, you know, and, but at the same time you get to decide whether, like whether you have the capacity for it as well. Sure. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, there's no right or wrong. Like you said, it really depends on where you are right now. Yep. And ultimately, and I think this, you know, is a good tie in for uh, this last thing that we're going to be talking about. And that is ultimately, it doesn't matter what kind of business you are running, whether you're a solopreneur, an agency, whatever other business models there are. And there's, you know, quite a few. Mm -hmm. You have to be the CEO of your business. So talk to me, Sarah, about yeah. your entrepreneurial hierarchy um because i know it 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 literally kind of walks you through different levels of ceo ship ceo ship yes i like that <laughs> ceo ship yes um the entrepreneurial growth hierarchy is something that was born probably about 2 years ago and i sat on it for ages because i was really trying to contextualize it in my own brain um, when I was teaching, uh, I taught for 13 years at a business school and one of the things that we, that I was tasked with was teaching professional development stuff as mm -hmm. well as, you know, the business stuff and the marketing stuff. And we used Maslow's hierarchy a lot, um, to help understand motivation and human decision-making. And one morning I just woke up and it all made sense to me. And mm -hmm. I look at business kind of in that same way. A lot of us come into the business space and we see what that person's doing and I want to do that. And so we immediately try to build a funnel, immediately try to build a course or, or have a program or a membership or offer one-to-one -one consulting when we're not really sure what we, what our zone of genius is. Like we jump around based mm -hmm. on 
whatever community we come into or whatever coaching program we take or whatever context we're in. And I started to see as I was working with clients that there's a there's a hierarchy of, of needs in business and leadership, just as there is in life. So as a really quick example, if you've not, if you don't know Maslow's hierarchy, mm-hmm. you have to meet the needs at every level before you can go on to the next level. So for right. example, if you are, if your entire life is consumed with survival, I need mm-hmm. food, I need water, I need oxygen, I need a place to sleep. You're not really, you don't have the capacity to worry about connecting with people and forming relationships and because your immediate needs have not been met. Right. And the same thing happens in business. Mm -hmm. When you first start as an emerging CEO, like I'm just starting out, you can't suddenly worry about networking and referrals and, you know, building, um, having a signature offer because you're just starting. And right. the, the needs of your business right now are survival. You need to offer a thing and you need to make money. Right. And that's where your focus needs to be. Mm-hmm. And once you've done that, and this is why you will see sometimes, you know, entrepreneurs who are very new, they're trying a variety of different things. They have a variety of different offers. They, um, you know, they'll often start in service provider roles because they can, they can test things out. Mm-hmm. And that's 100% right. That's right. what you should do. Even mm-hmm. if you're coming in with knowledge and experience, you don't know how that's going to pan out. Once those needs are met, then you can move to the next stage where you are now feeling a little bit stable, a little bit safe. You've got some client work under your belt. Maybe you have one or two clients who are steady mm-hmm. um, and you've started to offer, you start, you start to really understand like, who's my ideal client, right? Uh, what do I really enjoy doing? And you start to now build offers around that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you can move to the next stage and the next and the next. And so, the hierarchy really walks you through, you know, what are you trying to do? Because what I see sometimes is people who are coming in at like stage one or stage two, immediately wanting to jump to stage four. Mm, right. And it's like, but these needs have not been met yet. And until these needs are met, I'm not saying you can't hit stage four. Right. But you're not going to be able to stay there. Right. It's just the law of, I guess, whatever the law is, but you know, you, it, your needs will pull you back down to where they need to be met. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And it's not just the business needs. It's also you as a leader, because you have to grow the same way your business is growing, because as your business grows, you need to embody the kind of um, attributes and characteristics and knowledge that allow you to hold the business. Right as it grows. And so mm-hmm. it's a two pronged thing. You have, your business has specific needs at each level and you as a leader have specific needs. Mm-hmm. And until both of those are met, you may, you know, jump a couple of stages, but you will always fall back down. Right. So if you can meet the needs at each stage, it's a sustainable growth. And then you will find yourself at the top of the pyramid going, look at the empire I've built. Where? And that's I'm what we want. The mountain, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And this is not to say that every single business has, you know, it's not a cookie cutter thing. The hierarchy is 100% not cookie cutter. But having been in business as long as I have and seen, you know, the needs of every business, regardless of whether you're a solopreneur, an agency, whatever model you have and everything Mm -hmm. in between, there are 
specific foundational pieces that are universal, whether you are a one person show or you are a fortune 500. Right. Those things all need to be met. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me your, your hierarchy kind of reminds me of one, a business breakthrough that I had. And that was a lot of uh, clients were coming to me and they were saying, Oh, I, I want to launch a course. Right. Mm. And it's like, okay, great. You know, you, you want to launch a course. As I got into their business, I realized their foundation wasn't even there. So I would, I would go to their website. Their website was just, was very poorly designed. Their messaging wasn't clear. They weren't clear on who their ideal client was. Uh, They weren't clear on what they hadn't even done the research on whether or not the course is something that is going to be viable in the market. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself always having to like go backwards, kind of like what you said, where like they're coming in at, you know, stage three or four they're, I want to do this. I want to do stage three or four, mm-hmm. but you're going to fall down now to stage one because you don't have your foundation in place. And so once your foundation is in place, we can go to stage two, which is starting to build your visibility, right? And from there, once your visibility is at a certain level where you have enough people to launch to and you have the right people to launch to, then we can move to stage three and and launch. But it's very true. Like we, we come in, like we, you see again, back to this whole comparison, comparison thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's we're going full circle. Like, Oh, <laughs> so-and-so, you know, is uh, launching a course and they're, they made a hundred thousand dollars on their launch. Great. Like how many people are on their list? How long have they been, have they've been doing this? Like there's so much stuff. How much money did they spend on ads? Right. Yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Which nobody talks about. How much did they actually take home of that hundred thousand? So right. there's a lot that people don't consider. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not going to frame a house until you pour the foundation. Right. But we see people coming in and already decorating the walls before the house is even framed or the foundation's poured. Right. Because we see people living in these beautiful houses, but we don't know how long it took to build the house. Right. Absolutely. So tell me, Sarah, like help the listeners understand how they could work with you and like what that looks like. Awesome. I'm so glad you asked. So the best way to, I guess, start working with me is book a free assessment. We will, it's a 30 minute call. It's absolutely free. And we will sit down and look at your business, Mm -hmm. right? Do you have the foundation built? Like what needs have you already met? And what are your goals? And Mm -hmm. one of my superpowers is being able to look at that and see the dots and connect them and say, okay, if that's your goal, these are the things you need to have in place. And then based on your needs, we set up some kind of uh, relationship where I can support you through that, whether it's strategy based, whether it's, you know, I need help with my operations Mm -hmm. or whether it is leadership. Like I need to really work on my, on myself as a CEO. Um, I, I help support with all of that because that's the experience I've, I've come into the online space with. But it all starts with, let's figure out where you are before right. we figure out where you need to go. Awesome. That's, that's cool. Super, super, super cool. So I know you have like a little freebie that you yes. offer people. Tell me about that. And uh, I will definitely provide the link to that in the show notes, but just tell the listeners a little bit about it. 
So my primary audience tends to be women who've left the traditional workplace and have come to start their businesses, same as, as my own background. And what I have found is that we all tend to share some of the same, I guess, programming, hangups, whatever you want to call it. So if you've been in any kind of traditional workplace setting and then come into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. there are three key areas that we tend to get stuck and bring into our businesses from the corporate space. And so I've designed a workbook okay. that will walk you through what those three steps are and how you can detox from mm. that corporate programming. And it's, it's not just, you know, a, a two page PDF. It's an actual workbook that will give you questions that you can ask yourself, um, help you sort of prioritize. Are you, are you doing these things in your business without knowing? Right. And how can you start to deprogram yourself or detox from them so that you can truly create a business that is your own and not just another job? Right. And you're not bringing in, like you said, the baggage. Yeah. From the corporate space. Yeah. Because a lot of the time we don't realize that we're carrying the baggage because it's just been part of our identity for so long. Right. And so hopefully this will help shed a little bit of light on whether or not you can let go of some things. Awesome. So we've talked so much like today, like so this good. is, yeah. yeah, this has been an <laughs> awesome conversation about uh, business growth and everything that it takes to, to grow a business. I like to end the show with something fun. Okay. So tell me about a book, a podcast or a TV show or all three that you are currently binging right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> So my older daughter and I, we have started, we started binging a few months ago, uh, Modern Family. We oh. ne we've never watched it and okay. we started watching it and it's the funniest, most like just ridiculous uh, show ever, but we're loving it. And that's what we're doing in our spare time right now. Um, I tend to be a late adopter. So like I just last, I want to say earlier this year, finished Grey's Anatomy, which I had not ever watched before. Okay. And I watched like all, okay. all 13 I, stopped I, I still 13, haven't seen it, so anyway. <laughs> but that's, yeah, yeah, I haven't that's seen what, it either. That's what, well, that's what we're binging is modern family. And it's so fun. It really is. Um, in terms of books, my daughter, again, my teenager is an avid reader. She's okay. really into young adult stuff. So, um, I've been actually reading some of her books oh, and really enjoying them. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Very the cool. inheritance game series is the last one that I read and, uh, that's, that's about it. Podcasts. Gosh, there's so many. Um, to be completely honest, though, podcasts, I have not had the opportunity to listen to them the way that I used to when I was doing school drop off. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the kids go back I've actually school. I never, ever, ever listened to podcasts before. My spouse listens to them all the time. Well, once yeah. I started my podcast, I thought, God, I think I better start listening to podcasts. Like if I'm going to have my own podcast, I think I better like get familiar with podcasts. So I've actually kind of set a goal for myself to listen to one podcast episode a day of various podcasts. And I'll do a little pitch for yours right now. If you want to listen to a great uh, podcast, uh, Sarah has one called The Business Blasphemy. Uh, it's awesome. So thank you. Yeah. Add that one to uh, to your list. So anyway, thank you so much, Sarah, for, for being here. I've totally enjoyed our conversation and yeah, I'll thank see you. you. I'll see you in the online space. Yes, you will. Thanks okay. for having me. All right. Take care. 
That's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Boosting Business Breakthroughs podcast. Want to hear more business breakthrough ideas? I'll be back next week with a new episode to help you grow your coaching business. If you enjoyed listening, make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating, and tell all your coach friends where to find us. Head over to boostingbusinessbreakthroughs.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. And remember, your next business breakthrough is waiting for you.